hello and thank you for dancing with me today we're doing a waltz with Anne, your host uh, i think that might have been more of a polka <laughs> hello and welcome to dancing in the discomfort zone podcast with your host and bonnie uh have you ever felt like you weren't understood at work like you have all these good intentions and you're trying to make all these things happen and people just think you're difficult well, today I'm bringing on Parisa Benya. She is the uh, business whisperer and somebody who helps modern badasses, as she calls them, to find their place and to figure out how do I interact with all these people in an effective way so I can not only continue with the forward momentum and the excitement and the drive that I have to make things better, but I can also continue to work with these people and them not think I'm a giant pain in the butt. Ah! She's got an awesome perspective, a great story, and some really interesting insights that can help the modern badass to find their way and to be able to make their way being themselves while still getting along with other people. So thank you for joining me today on Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. Enjoy. Okay, we are dancing in the discomfort zone today with Parisa Bania, the business whisperer. Hey, how are you today? I am fantabulous, Anne. How are you today? I'm great. And you're down here in Florida with me, right? I we- am. Yeah, hanging out in Naples uh, with, uh, with all the people that eat dinner at 430. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there are benefits and there are drawbacks. <laughs> right. Well, you have had a really fascinating story and probably one that some of our listeners can identify with around your strategy and your desire to improve things and disrupt things and make things better and that not being understood by the people around you. So tell me a little bit about your your journey before you got to what you're doing now. Oh, thank you for asking and thank you for inviting me to join you today. Um, My life... Uh, I had this conventional go to college, go to business school, work for the blue chip company sort of thing. It was it was like a puzzle. It was things that you crossed off a list. And uh, when I was given, let's say, job descriptions that were in the shape of a square, my tendency was, well, why can't it be a circle? Why can't it be a triangle? Why can't I make it more than it is? So I had this bias for disruption. I was endlessly curious. I was like, well, this is good. And I've accomplished what you've asked me to accomplish. How about I, if I added this, or how about if I added that? Uh, and what, what happened in those situations was I wasn't reading the room. And so my level of disruption was a little too disruptive. Uh, my level of frustration when they weren't listening to my desire to disrupt uh, was higher than was helpful. And so, you know, this this pushing, this rattling of cages, this asking of why not uh, led one of my leaders to tell me, you're the hardest person I've ever had to manage. And that was like a dagger to the heart, mainly because I thought it was my job to deliver results. I thought it was my job to drive revenue, right? Like, yeah, that's why they keep you employed. Like no one's going to keep you if you're not doing your job. So, and and I, I took that so literally to mean that must always rattle the cages, must always be the bull in the China shop in the service of good. 
What I didn't understand or realize at the time and for subsequent roles after that was people only saw the bull. They didn't see the intention. Mm. They only saw that I broke dishes. They didn't necessarily see or could understand that I was only breaking the ugly dishes. Because <laughs> I didn't make it, I didn't make clear what my intentions were. I didn't make clear what what my desire or passion or excitement was in service of. It just looked like I was breaking things. And when I got that feedback of you're the hardest person I've ever had to manage, I didn't understand why. And so I kept on doing that. And no surprise, I kept on getting the same sorts of feedback. And so fast forward to today, the types of people I love to work with are disruptors. The types of people I like to work with are change agents. They're innovators. They are the people that are working in service of their greater good and their intentions aren't necessarily always understood. They aren't necessarily understood as people. So specific examples, Serena Williams, Kamala Harris, Thomas Edison, Steve Jobs, RBG, Gloria Steinem. You don't have to like or respect these people and you can recognize their impact that they have had on mankind. You could hate the iPhone and be a lover of Android and recognize the link uh, to Steve Jobs in the fact that your life is, is essentially on a handheld device. So you and I know all of those people. I worry about the people that we never meet. I worry about the people, the I call them modern badasses, the people that we never meet because they've been sidelined or they've sidelined themselves because they couldn't make their intentions seen and understood. So what was your final, the straw that broke the camel's back that made you say, I get it, What I this is not working, I'm going to go work for myself and be a consultant and help these people who are having the challenges that I have? Well, you know, no surprise, I kept on running to the same difficulty over and over again. And so when I was consulting, I realized, you know, I'm actually not consulting so much as I'm advising and coaching people. And there's a distinct difference between the two. And then then the coaching and the advising also wasn't satisfying to me. And I had this aha moment. Uh, I was in my coaching mastermind group. We played this thing called the samurai game. Uh, everyone should play it. I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, there is a part of the samurai game where you're playing. And if you are a dead samurai, you're dead for a long time. Uh, and you're still playing the game. And I, as I was sitting there playing dead, I was like, wow. I am off to the side and I'm not participating. I'm in this game and I'm out of it at the same time. Where else in my life have I felt like I was in and out of the same time? Where else in my life have I lost my life, quote unquote, and I wasn't able to be seen and I wasn't able to contribute? And that's where this idea of working with badasses was born. How many badasses have been uh, 
have been left out? How many badasses are off to the side? Professional career may be dead or on the way to be dead because people just didn't see who they were. And what would change for a modern badass if their intentions were known? What would change for a modern badass if they shared what their most important values were? What would change for them if they got curious about the people uh, sitting around them at that conference room table? Could they go from being called too much to just right? And that's really been my passion for the last couple of years is to be a stand for these people and to be understood and seen in ways so that they didn't feel like they had to change themselves to be palatable to other people. Mm. So how do you how do you coach them on that? Because I mean, part of me as a sort of a, somebody who teaches emotional intelligence says, okay, we need to be able to read the room. We need to be able to self-regulate. Yeah but yeah. also be able to keep true to ourselves and our and our fantastic ideas and our fantastic intentions. So what are some of the things you coach people on? Oh, that's a great question. So one of the things that's important is for someone to take ownership of their badassery. So taking pride in it as opposed to feeling like they may have to apologize for it. So an example is that you are a disruptor and only in the service of good. Uh, you know that there is no crying in baseball, which means that you eat setbacks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, you, you see them, you're challenged by them, and you move forward anyway. Uh, that you are creative, that you rely on intuition, that it's hard for you to ask for help. And there are 14 traits that I've I've identified, and I'm happy to share with folks if they want to reach out to me what the 14 traits of a modern badass are. So own your badassery. What's the other thing that becomes an important part of the conversation? Getting clarity on key values. So it took me a long time to get clarity on what was important to me values-wise. And I, and I don't mean like uh, be good to puppies and kitties uh, or like donate to charity. Like that's important, right? Put your uh, shopping but, cart away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff like, you know, the stuff that's like baked in the cake. Yes, those values are, are good. Things like my top va- five values are freedom, truth, justice, creativity, and loyalty. I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to work on anything unless it's aligned with those key values of mine. And what I notice with my modern badass clients is a couple of things. One is if they know their values, they're not sharing it with other people so that they establish kind of like a a complementary set of values as opposed to like not matchy-matchy, but oh, this is how we're similar. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or in, in other cases, they may not have even clarified or crystallized for themselves what their values are. So let's get clear on the values. Let's get clear on why the values are important. Let's get clear on how the values align with the goal that you have for yourself. And also, by the way, share that with other people. Let other people 
in to see you three-dimensionally as opposed to two-dimensionally. And ask people what their values are. And ask people how the values align with the goal. Because when things are going great, it doesn't really matter if you don't have a values conversation. It's when things are really sucky, and that's a technical term, that the <laughs> lack of goal alignment becomes really obvious. So let's head things off of the past. Let's get clear. What's important to you? Cool. This is what's important to me. Here's how what's important to all of us align with the goal. Here are maybe even team values that we have that align with the goal. And then we understand where each other is coming from, not only when things are great, and also when things may not be so hot. And then the last piece is um, understanding that vulnerability is not a four-letter word. Mm. Share your soft underbelly with the people around you. It's okay to not be Superman and be Clark Kent. It's okay to be Diana Prince and not Wonder Woman. Be mortal. It's not believable to pretend that you are anything other than mortal. So what is an example of that? I, I, I kind of think I know maybe, but I'm not sure. So what's an example of showing that vulnerability? Uh, it's admitting that you don't know something. One of the hardest, and I know that sounds so basic, one of the hardest things for uh, a badass to admit is when they may be stumped by something, when they may not know how to navigate from point A to point B. And look, these are high performers. These are people that are leading teams or managing PLs, and um, they may get stumped. They do get stumped. What would be different if you turn to your deputy? What would be different? If you uh, hosted a brainstorm session with your team to say, look, this is a weighty challenge. This is a heady challenge. I'm not sure that I have my arms completely wrapped around this. Let's just tap into our collective genius and figure out how to get from point A to point B. It's very hard for someone who has always been valedictorian, for someone who has always had the answers to be at a point where they're feeling a little insecure. And admitting that is, it feels awful and it's necessary. It makes people like you. Mm -hmm. It makes people say about you, thank goodness you have admitted that you're human. You just, you just become more relatable. It's not believable when you pretend to have this superhero cape on all the time. No one does. No one does. Yeah. Hmm. I love it. And how does your, you, I, you mentioned your 3D leadership uh, sort of model or the, the framework there, but how does your empathy model, your sixth sense empathy model fit into this? Because I found that on your website and I, it's a, I thought it was some really cool points. Um, is that something that you use with these modern badasses to help them just sort of see both sides? Uh, on occasion, uh, it's sometimes I go through things formally and sometimes I pick up uh, concepts from it. The, the most important part of the Sixth Sense Empathy Model, and it's empathy, uh, empathy presented as an acronym, E is Ego Kills Empathy. 
it's when we are so in our heads or when we are so in love with our ideas or when we are so in love with how smart we are, we're so in love with our resumes, we forget to read the room. We forget to see that there are other geniuses in the room. And so when we remember that ego kills empathy, we open ourselves up to so much opportunity. We open ourselves up to way more uh, possibility than we can anticipate on our own or, or, or contemplate on our own. And so when we kind of set empathy aside, it becomes easier for, or excuse me, set ego aside and embrace empathy, it becomes easier for us to be objective about what all of our, uh, what how we could navigate forward as a team, map our present state, plan our future state, test some approaches. And then ultimately, because you're embracing empathy and not your ego, the why in the empathy model is yield to the market. Your audience never lies. Your people never lie. Your customers never lie. And there is beauty in being open to feedback and what other people are telling you. Mm-hmm. Well, and I and I disagree with me if you're if you disagree. <laughs> there you go. That's why you would do that. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like the the ego piece is not only that I know the best way and I know the right way and my way is the only way, it's also comes from what you were just talking about of saying, I need to always know, I need to always have everything going because people rely on me for that. It's not necessarily that they believe that, but that I need to be that is an, is another piece of that ego that gets in the way. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And that's where the vulnerability piece becomes so valuable as well as when you when you set that aside, when you set ego aside, and then you encourage your teams to set ego aside, and you encourage everyone to be a hand raiser for help, for collaboration, for cooperation, for conversation, uh, then we are multiplying possibility and opportunity by infinity. Who wouldn't want that? It, it's what, what I think is so funny is the more we try to hold on to something, the less likely it is that it's going to turn into a diamond. Like it, 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 <laughs> the things don't turn into a diamond, uh, unless, except if you're a diamond. So, the only way as humans uh, that we create diamonds is when we invite everyone in. Yep. Which is again, where that, where that challenge comes in for people with that driver personality of, I want to do this. I want to make this happen. Um, but also remembering all the people around us, we all have that value to bring. Yeah. Everyone has that value to bring. I mean, it related yet not. Uh, so it wasn't until I got married 15 years ago that I realized there are people out there that were visual learners. My husband is a visual learner. I am a learner, but when I hear it, I've learned it. And so for the first couple of months, I would be like, what do you mean you need to see it? Just, I've just told you. Yeah. And and that, that, I mean, it's a physician heal thyself moment. This is where, uh, this is where badasses run into trouble is we're like, well, of course there's only one way to do things. No. No, there are multiple ways to learn. There are multiple ways of getting to where we need to go. 
when you invite people for the ride, when you get people excited for the ride, uh, when people see the skin they have in the game and more importantly, feel the skin they have in the game, what's different? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I like to say about badasses is that they go 80 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone without checking to see if people are strapped in for the ride. My premise, what I share with badasses is you can still go 80. You don't have to slow down. What you can do is make this so exciting where people are hand raisers and hell yes for the adventure. So like, yeah, so make people say, why 80? Why not 120? And by the way, I'm strapped in for the ride and I'm very interested in the destination. That's available to all of us. That's what I think is so exciting when we remember to create community in it and nurture that community. Well, and, and this goes to the question I was about to ask, because I was about to say, what about the people in the audience right now who are these modern badasses who are, who are rolling their eyes saying, all of this takes a lot more time. I can just do it myself and get her done and not have to wait for everybody to buckle their safety belt, you know? So how do you respond to that? Uh, uh, the first, the first thing I would say to that is I know that appears to be true. The counterintuitive truth is slow down to speed up. Mm -hmm. We've all heard the story of the rabbit and, uh, the tortoise, uh, rabbit burns himself out way before the finish line. The tortoise crosses the finish line and wins the race. And I know that sounds trite, and I know that's making someone roll their eyes so hard. I am telling you, I am telling you that when you tap into the collective genius, people stop calling you too much. They stop calling you too brash. They stop thinking that you're rudderless. They stop thinking like you're just destructing things for being a troll or what have you. What people are going to say about you instead is, oh my gosh, we need this person on the team. Oh my gosh, what does so-and-so say? Oh my gosh, I bet so-and-so has some really creative ideas to help us get out of this jam. I always say it's an investment in being able to relate and getting people buckle their safety belts faster. And you're not wasting all that time having the conflict conversation. You can now get that work done. Um, Brilliantly put. I love that you call it the counterintuitive yeah, brilliantly put. And and it took it took me a really long time. And look, I am I am not sitting in judgment. I am this person. Uh I have I have been punished significantly for it. I have I have hurt myself financially because of it. So I'm not wagging my finger and saying to any of these people listening, hey, just be like everyone else. No, that would like make me cringe so hard. Uh, if I were to hear it. So I'm not going to say that to, to anyone else. There is a way for you to engage and roll and connect with other people without ever, ever, ever changing who you are. Mm-hmm. I I have a client story where uh, she didn't change herself fundamentally. She just became better understood. Mm-hmm. And so the coaching sponsor at her company got unsolicited feedback, like, what did you do to her? She's totally different. She never changed. She never changed. So often it's just that mindset shift. Cause I did the same thing. I coached somebody once a friend of mine called me. He said, we 
have an admin who's amazing at her job and nobody likes working with her. And we just determined she had the type of personality where she didn't take into account what people were thinking. She was just doing the job. And if she was abrasive, well, it was, she was trying to do the job. And as soon as she realized what, like, kind of what you said earlier about your spouse, like they need something different than I do. You're not changing yourself. You're just realizing, oh, they're not me. Huh? Okay. And then we can right. shift the way we act with them to get what we need while not fundamentally changing ourselves. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. And also, I imagine this happened uh, as you were coaching this person. Uh, curiosity. What what do we not know about the person on the other side of the table? What if we took the time to unpack further what that person's experience is? And no, I'm not talking about going all the way to childhood or like you know, what happened when your bunny died and you buried it in the backyard. I'm not interested in any of those things, right? I mean, they are part of your story. It's what makes you, you, what makes me, me. All we have to do is just be a little bit more curious. And that goes back to the ego thing, leaving that behind, because the ego makes you get defensive when you get that feedback. Whereas if you drop the ego and you get curious, suddenly you're like, okay, what can I learn here? Yeah, this stings, but let me just put that aside and let's see how we can fix this. Exactly. Mm. That's, that's exactly right. Is how can we, how can we show up as us Mm -hmm. and express curiosity about that other person so that at the end, the unsolicited feedback about you is always never too much it's always just right. Well, and again, like you said, they then, because you were vulnerable and you shared your intentions and you shared your way of working, they now understand you better too. It's a two-way street of them understanding who you are. So when you do something that comes off as abrasive or is too much, they can say, oh, that's Anne being Anne. Let's talk to her about that because I know she's aware of that and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, oh, you know, this is happening because... Anne has a key value of X, you know, let's, let's make sure that we care for that. So they, they can care for what's important to you because we've established it and you can care for what's important to them because they've established it for you. And that is like I was saying before, really key during times of stress and uncertainty, which these days we're living under a lot of stress and uncertainty. That's like 23, seven. Yeah. The other hour we're sleeping. Sleeping, right? <laughs> or or playing Wordle. Or something. Yeah, there you go. Whatever or Candy Crush or something. Or maybe that's just me. <laughs> I'm glad it's not just me. Um, so what are some other aha moments that the people that you're coaching and consulting have? Because this is fascinating because it's that that awareness. So we might be popping some light bulbs in the audience right now. So what are some other aha moments that people have that helps them shift the way they're seen? You know the one of the one of the things that I have noticed which has been particularly poignant is when people realize that they don't have to have an outside outside of office avatar and inside office avatar that there is an extra stress that badasses carry they're like oh uh they want me to be like everyone else in the office 
And so it's the stress of doing your work and also the stress of like having an outside camera. I'm like, am I like everyone else? Am I being like everyone else? Am I using the right words? Am I showing up the right way? Like this, this thing that lives outside of them. And once they realize they don't have to have that extra job of inside the office avatar, how much easier would everything be? Mm-hmm. This- is that what may- now part of me is seeing myself in this right now and saying, oh, well, that makes sense why I went and started my own business and decided to go do my own thing because right. I can disrupt things all day and I'm the only one who's pissed off about it. So, <laughs> I mean, is that sometimes based on this, the the reason people are like, you know what? I think I might just go work for myself. Is that what, because that's what you do right now too, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very much, I, I very much work for myself and uh, the feedback I've gotten from people since they've uh, read the book is I feel so much better. I feel like I now have a language that describes me. I feel like things are starting to make sense. So the only, the, your only solution, well, let me, let me jump back. It's not that you will only be happy by quitting your job and working for yourself. Right, 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 right. It's a terrifying so step. Let's, so it's be ready if you're going to do that. <laughs> right. Let's let's stipulate that that's not the only thing available to you if you're a modern badass. Fair. The, the book the book was written for anyone to feel like they can succeed no matter what it is they do a physician in a hospital, an engineer, an attorney, uh, you know, a, a chief executive of a company working for yourself. I, it, it really doesn't matter. It's how do you feel like you can always be uniquely you and create community of people around you who aren't necessarily 100% like you? Like you don't have to be a Stepford wife. You don't have to be like everyone else for people to understand your inherent value. That's that's the thing that's the most painful is to believe like you have to hide who you are for other people to find you palatable. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't feel like you belong, which ultimately is a foundational human need. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, wouldn't it be nice? For, for anyone to feel like I don't have to create this false picture of myself for someone to believe I have merit. Love it. I love it. Well, and that's, I guess, the whole point of this. Going off and starting your own business is saying, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just going to go be me and work for myself. Whereas with the book, Modern Badass, and you working with people, helping them, again, be be able to work with people and stay in that job that they studied and paid a lot of money to, to, to be qualified for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, and you know, you, you bring up, you bring up an interesting point is um, sure. When you work for yourself, you decide who your clients are. You decide the type of work that you have. You decide how you show up in the world. And it's also possible for people to completely not see your intention. It's easy for people to 
the people who would be best served by you to tune you out because they don't understand you. Right. Right. And so the, the desire is not that everyone should be a client of yours or not everyone, not that everyone should retain you if you are working for yourself. It's, oh, would, would it be like instead, oh, for example, Parisa is not for me, but I know three other people who she would be awesome for because I see her intention. I see what motivates her. These four people should learn about her. These 10 people should learn about Anne. These 20 people should learn about someone else. They may not be for me. And I see them so clearly that I see who they may be for and who other people may also be for them. That would be awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, modern badass, <laughs> I, I says tales from the leadership front. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Is there another better place to get it? Uh, it is available on Amazon and uh, coming soon on Audible. So that's pretty Ooh, exciting. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I'll put the link to that and your website, sixcentstrategy.com in the uh, show notes. Is there anything you want? If somebody's identifying with this modern badass, the avatar, or not avatar, but like personality that you've, that you've been describing, is there anything else you'd want people to know or think about as they start to face this and say, okay, how can I, how can I build a better relationship with the people I work with? Uh, the number one learning that I had for myself, which I'll share with other people is you're not broken. You don't need to change. And a badass might not admit that that's the thing that's the most painful to them. And they have heard any number of ways, any number of times, you don't belong. You're too much. You're not valued. I'm here to tell you that you are all of those things. You can belong without having to blend. Love it. I love it. All right. Well, Modern Badass is the book. Parisa Zbenia, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all your insights. Again, I will put the website, the LinkedIn, the book link in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. This was amazing. Made my day. And there you have it, Dancing in the Discomfort Zone with Parisa Bania, Business Whisperer. And I love that insight of stop expecting you from other people. Somebody said that to me once years ago and I was like, oh, you know? <laughs> when I think that they're motivated and interested and communicate and motivated by and value the same things as I do, often I'm wrong, <laughs> just simply wrong. And uh, really being curious, as Parisa said, about where are they coming from? What is motivating them? And letting them know what motivates you so you can have that conversation, come to that understanding, and it improves the team so, so, so much. And maybe the team is a married couple. Maybe the team is work team. Maybe it's a volunteer team, but whatever it is, that conversation, that vulnerability and that willingness to share, what are my intentions? What are my values? What am I trying to accomplish here? Could really help them understand where you are coming from and help you understand them a little better. So thank you very much for listening. Grab the book, go listen, watch the website, watch the website. Go look at the website, sixcentstrategy.com. Six so it's S-I-X-E-N-S-E. -S -E 
strategy.com. So I'll put that in the show notes so you can just click away. Thank you so much for joining me on Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. I will see y'all next week.